0: little inside yeah little inside look at FX and children's ministries and they got a fantastic month lined up and so we're really really excited about their partnership with us well I'm going to ask our ushers if you get an armful of Bibles if you're here this morning we're just going to take a few moments we're going to get into our final message in our series that we're in if you need to borrow a Bible raise your hand real real high And uh, we loan these out during the service. You can use one of these and look up the text, follow along and some of the scriptures that I'll be reading. And just go ahead, feel free to leave it on the chair when you're leaving this morning, and it's a way for you to track with me. Uh, As you take your Bibles this morning, I want you to get over to Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 10 this morning, actually verses 10 to 12. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 12. The series that we're in, it's called uh, Simple Faith. It's not that complicated, but it's hard. And we're looking at how faith... A lot of our understanding of faith that it really isn't all that complicated but the difficulty of really following what jesus calls us to do and this morning we're on the very last of the beatitudes so matthew chapter 5 we're going to go to verse 10 and uh, thank you ushers for helping us out this morning and go ahead turn over there matthew 5 verse 10 to 12 and let me read it for you it says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven And blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you and falsely against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus speaking to those that were listening to him up in northern Galilee went up on the mountainside sat down his disciples came a crowd of people gathered around started to listen to him. And he teaches them these Beatitudes. What's interesting, though, is we get into this final Beatitude, and he deals with a topic that's not all that familiar with a lot of our lives. It's the topic of persecution. So we're going to spend a little bit of time on that this morning. Now, it's a little bit different than what we just experienced with the Kids FX, but we're wrapping this up. And I think all the kids, I think you got an activity pack when you came in the door this morning. You should have a little orange bag. So mom and dad, I need you to give that back to the kids, that's theirs. Mom and Dad, you need to take the notes out of the bulletin this morning. There's a sermon outline. If you want to go online, you go to uversion.com, get your electronic device. And uh, together, we're going to wrap up this series and have a listen to what Jesus is teaching us. Now, let's quickly go in. Uh, we got a big surprise, so I've got to watch time carefully, because at the end of the service, we've got something very special that we want for all of you to join us with. And uh, so just track along with me here. But you'll recall, for those of you that were here at the beginning of the series, that when Jesus introduced the Beatitudes... I talked about the inclusive nature of the Beatitudes. He gives a blessing. He said, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, and then he gives a blessing. And there's an inclusive nature to this. The first Beatitude and the last Beatitude have the same blessing. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the reason that it's done that way, it's a communicator or a literary style so that the listeners would know everything in the span of all eight Beatitudes from the first to the eighth. All of them fit together. You don't pick one and say, that's my favorite beatitude. What Jesus was driving at, all of these beatitudes are the fundamental principles, the essence of the kingdom of God. People always ask, you know, what's the kingdom of God like? What should it really be like? Well, you go to Matthew chapter 5 and you go from verses 1 to 12, you have a snapshot of what Jesus is saying. And he goes, don't pick and choose. All of these are of the essence of the kingdom of God. So as those that were listening to Jesus were picking up on this, we now get into this eighth one, and we're learning. They're building blocks week by week by week. They build on one another. We get to this eighth beatitude, and then Jesus throws out. It's almost a challenge because he goes, Blessed are those who are persecuted. Now, at first read, we think immediately of people around the world. There's people in prison today. There's people that are tortured. There's people that suffer extreme persecution under dictatorships. And we go, well, that needs to be in the Bible. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And yet Jesus frames it differently and uses some words differently that I want to share with you because I don't think you've maybe thought of it in this context before. So it's my desire that we'll all have this. Now, if you have your notes out, you might want to write a few points down. Hopefully, when you go to your small group later this week, maybe in your personal time, you want to do a little deeper reflection. I would encourage you to do that. Here's a few things about this last beatitude. You'll notice that in all the previous ones, one verse is attributed to a beatitude. Verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, all one verse for a beatitude. But in this one, he gets to blessed are the persecuted, and he gives three verses, 10, 11, and 12, and he elaborates on the nature of persecution now immediately we should be thinking as listeners and readers why did Jesus do that why was that so important for him well when you look at this verse and this topic of persecution I want to share with you just a couple of reflections of why Jesus is raising significance here first he does this he repeats the word persecuted didn't do that before with any other beatitude verse 10 verse 11 He says, persecute twice. Why would he say it twice here, not repeated in the early ones? The other thing you pick up in this is he puts a personal emphasis. Verse 10, he said, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, he takes it from third person. He makes it personal. He says, blessed are you when you are persecuted. And he wants us to get something here. He wants his listeners to pick up on something. This isn't distant. This isn't far removed from us. He's bringing it really back close to home. And then the final thought is I want you to realize is the position of this beatitude in relation to all the rest. It's the last, it's like the epicenter. It's the culmination of the beatitudes. So you put all these things together and you begin to realize that Jesus, in speaking on the Sermon on the Mount was wanting his listeners to know, without a doubt, there's something in persecution you need to be aware of. Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to unpack the word persecution for us. And uh, when we're finished, I think you're going to have a better idea of what Jesus was speaking about. I think you're also going to have a much better idea of what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, you'll have a real clear picture of what it means to follow Him. If you're seeking or curious or investigating faith, you're going to find that to be a follower of Jesus Christ is not signing up to be a part of a religious expression. It's about a committed relationship that takes us into territory that challenges us but has great reward and great promise. So I hope you'll be a part of that. So in your notes, take your notes out this morning, and uh, let me just, let's jump right in. When he starts to talk about this word persecuted, uh, it's important for us to define what was he referring to when he used it, we think persecuted. Our mind goes to TV images. We see people that are tortured or imprisoned or they're captives or they're harsh domination under a dictator. But Jesus uses the word persecuted in a different way. He uses it with the understanding the word picture is this word to pursue something. Now, have you ever seen a cat chase a mouse? Is that familiar to you? You ever feel sorry for the mouse? Oh, a few of you are going, no, not at all. You know, I used feel bad for the mouse. You know, the cat always has the upper hand. They always win anyhow. But Jesus uses this word persecute in a similar scenario where it's, it's like a cat or like a dog chasing, let's be fair, like a dog chasing a cat. There's this harassment, this endless pursuit. And so Jesus uses the word persecuted in the sense, blessed are those who feel like they're always on the run. They're always being chased. They're always being hunted down. They're always being oppressed. And he said there's this element of continuous harassment that comes in persecution and the word that he pulls out of this is to describe the nature of what persecution is going to be like for his listeners he wanted them to get the seriousness of the conversation now remember his audience his audience were people that were living underneath roman domination so they were already oppressed no doubt no doubt, those listening to Jesus, you know, when He's saying, Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom. There are probably people sitting there going, Yeah, that's good. Carry on, Jesus. Because, you know, we're persecuted. And I just want to get rid of those Roman people. And we're waiting for the Messiah to come one day. And, and this is good teaching. You need to keep reminding us of this. However, Jesus had a deeper meaning. And it always seems to happen this way. When we're comfortable that His teaching applies to others... Or the blessing only applies to us. Things are good. But there's a deeper level. Jesus goes a little bit further down. He indicates by his very words that persecution is much broader than life endangerment, much broader than torture and even death. He starts talking about things like slander and maligning, vindictive natures, that there are actions and consequences that will happen to us or to those who are citizens of the kingdom of God just by virtue of the fact that they've chosen to align their life with Jesus. And he said, it's not just about those that are going to be imprisoned as serious as it is and as serious about those who will die for His name, but he goes, the kingdom belongs to those who are the persecuted. And so now you have a question. Then how do I know if I'm a member or a citizen of His kingdom and what does persecution have to do with me? In your notes, i got three principles I want to share with you this morning. So if you're in the habit of taking notes, take out a pen and write them down because it's going to help us unpack this real quickly this morning. Here's the first thing I want you to write out in your notes. Persecution is not always indicative of righteous living. Persecution is not always indicative of righteous living. When Jesus was talking about being persecuted, it's important to understand it does not always indicate that those who are persecuted are, in fact, living a righteous lifestyle. We know of many different circumstances, and I'm going to get into those in just a moment. But here's what Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. He said the ones who are persecuted for righteousness are those who receive the blessing of the kingdom. Now, why would I point that out this morning? For this reason. I think a lot of us look at persecution in our Western mindset and... We have applied forms of persecution to our life, worn a badge of honor that we embrace because we're followers of Jesus, and we maybe misplaced the nature of persecution. So again, let me quickly explain for you. I think there are some times that we are persecuted has nothing to do with our righteousness, and it has a lot more to do with our character flaw or an ignorant personality. Think about that. That there are times that I think people experience what they feel is persecution and really it's got more to do with their stubbornness, that they're obstinate, they're argumentative, they're rude, they're pious, you know, they just, everything they do. Have you ever been in a conversation with a person and you get so frustrated with them because you just can't have a good exchange and a good conversation with them and they become so opinionated and so dominating and then you just want to walk away from them? You ever feel that way? Don't look at anybody, just look at me right now. Yeah. Sure, we've all been there. And there are even people in religious expressions, even in the church, maybe even in our church, who get so rude and obnoxious and so defiant about their position that people don't want anything to do with them anymore. And if you find your circle of friends or influence beginning to shrink, before you wear a badge of honor saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for, you know, Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness it just might be you have a character challenge going on and there are times that I see this where I see people become so argumentative and defiant it's got nothing to do with righteousness and then people don't want anything to do with them anymore and then the way that we kinda put a little bit of salve on our wound is we go well Jesus said I'd be persecuted and I guess I'm blessed now because I'm gonna be a part of the kingdom of God no 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 before we go there let's make sure that we're not being persecuted because we just have a Uh, You know, our personality is just a little off. That is really something that happens to a lot of people. I think there's another one that we have to watch for. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. But he didn't say blessed are those who are persecuted because they chose to get involved in a cause. A little fine line of distinction here. See, some people look at their activism and they become persecuted because they align themselves with activism. Nothing wrong with supporting a cause if you truly believe in it. Nothing wrong with marching and petitioning and protesting within proper law and proper order. Nothing against any of that. Jesus didn't push back against that. But he was speaking to the fact that don't mistake activism and persecution for activism as persecution for righteousness. Why is this so critical? Who was sitting in the audience? You have in the audience Simon the Zealot. Simon was looking to overthrow. He was an insurrectionist. He wanted Rome out of power. He wanted the Jewish monarch to be reestablished. He wanted Jesus or the Messiah to come and rule. And so Simon the Zealot is right there in the audience. Jesus speaking in about blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Simon would have been thinking, man, you know, I'm persecuted. But his persecution was all about activism and supporting a cause. So you've got to watch. There's a real fine line of distinction because sometimes... We look at the persecution and the blessing that comes with that, that Jesus speaks of, and we may misapply that to our lives, and that can happen right here. Not only is it in the area of the cause, but I think we need to look at the area of religion. Jesus didn't say, blessed are you when you are persecuted because you are religious. He said, when you are, what? Righteous. There is a difference. you, You know this, right? There is a difference between being religious and righteous. Righteousness is about a heart and a relationship with God. It's about purity and pursuing the kingdom of God with the innocence of a child, but with all of the integrity that Christ calls us to. A lot of people are persecuted because of religion that has a little to do with righteousness. Now, some of it does, but we have to be very careful. I grew up in a home. uh, Those of you that are part of the church, you know my story. I grew up in a pastor's home. And we were always, as children, we had to be the ideal example for the rest. I don't know why that is. Uh, We always had to be the ideal example for the rest of the church. So our parents would try to make sure that we had always aligned. When I grew up, just to give you a little sample of what I'm talking about here, uh, there were certain do's and don'ts in church that I could never find in the Bible. Have you ever found any of those statements? There are things that we're expected to do and not to do that aren't in the Bible. And it used to confuse me as a kid. Now, Sunday was, this also confused me, but I've since figured it out, Sunday was our, what we called our day of rest, known as the Sabbath. But, of course, I always knew the Sabbath from the Jewish perspective, so I figured that one out eventually. But on Sunday, our day of rest, when as kids we would want to go out and play, we were told no. Anybody else ever told no? Thank you. Yeah, good three of us started a therapy group right after church we were told no you can't do that and we go well, why not now I'm not talking about going outside and you know like riding your bike or playing jacks or skipping a rope or something like that I'm talking about if we want to do something organized there are times I'd want to go skating with my friends or get a game of hockey together we were told no you can't do that because today's a day of rest and I go okay well what's that got to do with our faith no you can't do that because then if other people see you doing that then they'll start to do that and then all of a sudden the day of rest is all gone and we legalize activities and responsibilities that have nothing to do with righteousness and i have a feeling like here quick show of hands how many of you have been sort of around church life for more than 10 years raise your hands real quick all right you guys ever bump up against legalism all right enough said so we got to be careful when it comes to persecution Jesus was not saying blessed are you when you were persecuted for religion, you know, when your parents disciplined you for violating the do's and the don'ts. Jesus said blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness. So again, he's going back to the purity and the innocence of what it is to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so we really need to track and to watch with that. I think there's another area that we have to watch for as well. It's around this area of political activity. Some are persecuted, for their involvement in political expressions and political activity. Right now in the news, you know, we're told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we do. God's got a plan and a purpose for the Jewish nation. He's got a plan for the Middle East and the Near East, and we watch that very, very carefully. But we also have to look at our world and look in reality at Jesus' world. And I think sometimes persecution comes because of political activity, not necessarily righteous activity. If you look at what's taking place in Israel, between Israel and Hamas and all that's taking place, most of that has to do with the world of politics. Very little of it has to do with the world of righteousness. In fact, I had the privilege of sitting in with a number of the leaders in Jerusalem, and they talked about very openly secular Jewish politics. So, it wasn't about the pursuit of righteousness. Now, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but we also pray that everyone would have the knowledge of Christ and come to the light of peace that he offers all of us. Go back to the time of Jesus when the people listening to Jesus speak the Beatitudes. And Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. The Jews at that time were being persecuted not so much because of their righteousness but because of the political alliances, their disobedience, their lack of trust in God, that Rome had come in and taken over, and it had been a series of different nations that had ruled over top of them. Most of that was political persecution, not righteous persecution. It's Jesus who makes a clear distinction here, that persecution will be a part of those who are followers of Christ and part of the kingdom, but make sure that your persecution is the right kind. Here, 1 Peter, it's on the screen for you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 14. It says this. Count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. This shows that God's glorious spirit is with you. Now watch this. But you deserve to suffer if you are a murderer. Okay. I like that. I'm okay with that. Or if you're a thief, I'm good with that. A crook, I'm good with that. Or a busybody. I'm not so good with that one. Are you? He says, okay, watch that, count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian, but he says, you deserve to suffer, yeah, if you're a murderer, a thief, a crook, can you imagine? And then Peter goes, you deserve to suffer if you're meddling in other people's affairs. So not all persecution is indicative of righteous living that there are times that we get ourselves into trouble and we're persecuted because it has a little to do with christ it has a lot to do with our being involved in other people's businesses and we shouldn't be there so let's be really clear about that ralph Waldo emerson said this let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of the tr- of dreaming that i am persecuted whenever i am merely contradicted it's a good quote sometimes people challenge us and they're simply contradicting our ideal that's not persecution 2 Timothy 3.12, it's on the screen for you. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Notice he said, you might be. He says, you will be persecuted. So Jesus is drawing us towards a much deeper truth in persecution. Back to your notes. Here's a second observation I made around persecution. Persecution is unavoidable for true disciples of Jesus Christ. If you are really a follower of Jesus, he makes it unequivocally clear, you will experience persecution. I will experience persecution. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my sake, that to follow his name, to align our lives, to live our lives by his ideals, persecution will come. And it will be unavoidable. Why is it unavoidable? Okay, don't miss this. When Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes primarily, he was saying, and this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he describes the essence of the people who are in the kingdom. Chapters 6 and 7 go on to tell us more about the kingdom of God. But what Jesus was teaching is that there is going to be a tremendous clash of value systems. Your ideals and your beliefs as a follower of Christ will be radically different than the ideals and the beliefs of the world that you live in. Now pause for a moment and think about that. We see this every day. We see it in the area of compassion and love and response. We see what the kids demonstrated for us today, that we are called... You know, compassion isn't merely a second response in our life. It is a primary mandate of what we are called to. Christ calls us to live lives of compassion. And yet we know by government statistics that the vast majority of people that live in our country today do very little in terms of compassionate response. If you actually boil down the percentages, and this always astounds me, when you take the percentages and you look, it always falls way down into the single-digit percentiles of people who are actively, regularly, regularly, not one time, regularly engaged in acts of charity, acts of giving or compassion. Jesus just said, you're going to be in a different system here. Your values will be radically different. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, so that none of you will be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. Jesus was preparing, and Paul was writing to the new believers saying, you need to be prepared that as a true disciple of Jesus, you will be persecuted in many different forms. And it won't just be life and endangerment and the threat of death. It will be the way people speak about you. It will be how they treat you. It will be what you experience in your social setting. And the rejection that you'll experience. I shared this in the earlier service today. I was sitting with some of our college students and just talking a little bit about what they're going through in their studies and the academic pursuits that they go through. Whenever the value system of evolution hits the table against creation, creationism is immediately dismissed and almost treated as if it's completely a myth. And then they are objectified as being out of, out of date, out of touch with an actual world system. See, followers of Christ who actually lean in and believe what the Bible teaches will experience ongoing persecution in many different forms. And to stand for what you believe and really declare what you believe takes courage and takes boldness. And I'm so grateful for the ones that I was talking with that are just living their faith and they're living it out loud. Jesus warned us about this over in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 20. He said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Back in our series in the book of Revelation, the churches of the Revelation, all those churches, those seven different churches Jesus wrote to through John, he warned them about persecution he said you will be and in fact they were going through persecution persecution is unavoidable particularly for those who are true disciples of jesus christ if you were to take your bible this morning go over to the book of acts if you went from chapter 1 to chapter 28 trace it out with a pad and a pen you would find no less than 56 direct references to persecution the believers of christ always encounter persecution. They will feel it in their moral systems. They will feel it in the ethical systems. They will feel it in their value systems, in their belief systems, right to the point where even those in the early church faced death in their personal lives. You look at the ch- uh, book of Hebrews, chapter 11. It is the testimony of those who are persecuted. Six different verses of Scripture. They faced fire, torture, uh, just horrendous acts of crime against their lives. Then you come back to the Beatitudes. And what does Jesus do? He said, blessed are you. And he lists out the essence of what it is to live in his kingdom. And he summarizes it. And he says, and if you do, prepare for persecution. A friend of mine loaned me a book to read. It was called Amazing John. It's about Pope John the Twenty-Third, And it was written by Dr. Uh, Fred Ladinas. And a great little statement that was made in this book that I want you to hear. Insight into persecution. It says, persecution is the trademark of all authentic Christianity. History teaches us that when Christianity is not persecuted, it becomes the persecutor. Let me read that again. That's profound. Persecution is the trademark of all authentic Christianity. History teaches us that when Christianity is not persecuted, it becomes a persecutor. You see, Christ is a stumbling block and foolishness and when you are a true disciple of Christ your life will put be put in direct opposition to world systems and you will be persecuted here's what it says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 29 for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ but also the privilege of suffering for him Karen Watson grew up in Western civilization here and she grew up believing in in Western Christianity But uh, she grew deeply unsettled by the disconnect that she saw in the expressions of faith and what was taking place around the world. And probing deeper into her own life and wanting to really experience the call of Christ to discipleship, she was praying about how to live out her life, and she felt like God called her to leave her place here and to travel overseas and spend her life in compassion on behalf of others. The particular location that she felt God called her to was the nation of Iraq, right in the middle of the wars. And she knew that that meant to risk her very life to do so. But she felt convicted that this is what God was calling her to do. So just before Karen left, she took the time to pen a letter, and she wrote out the words in a letter and took it to her pastor and said, I want to leave you with, uh, this with you. If I don't come back, if for some reason I happen to die, would you be sure my family gets my letter? Would you read it to them so they'll understand? So the pastor took the letter from Karen. Tragically, Karen was gunned down in Iraq she was an innocent bystander in a situation and she lost her life serving compassion to a nation she was called to when her letter was opened by the pastor he began to read the letter to the family and it started this way it says you're only reading this if I died she went on to share gracious words with her family and friend and to try to explain why she did what she did but it's the last sentence in her letter that is so captivating here's what Karen wrote to obey Christ was my objective to suffer for him I expected and now his glory is my reward what a powerful insight from a woman who understood when Jesus said blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness she knew it had to be a part of her experience Well, go back to your notes for a moment let's take one last thought here persecution authenticates our commitment to live in light of eternity When you go back to the Sermon on the Mount, you listen to Jesus. Here's what he said. When he talked about being persecuted, he added a qualifier. He said, I want you to rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Now remember the audience. These were men and women, children, young adults, listening to Jesus. They're wrestling with this word, blessed are those who are persecuted. And then he adds this value in there and he goes, I want you to rejoice and be exceptionally glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And the only takeaway you can possibly find in here is that Jesus was reminding us that persecution authenticates our commitment, that we don't live with our eyes fixed on this temporal world, we live in light of eternity. That what we experience right now, what we live through today, is a reality, but it doesn't control, dictate, or determine our ultimate destiny. That our destiny is firmly fixed in Christ. The Bible repeatedly reminds those who choose to follow Christ, keep your eyes fixed on things above. Keep your heart and your mind fixed where Christ is. Jesus didn't see persecution as something to be avoided or a reason to feel despondent, a sign of weakness, or a form of spiritual deficiency. He never told those that were experiencing persecution to beat themselves up as if they missed something. Rather, it was quite the opposite. He said, when you're persecuted, rejoice. Because if you are persecuted, you have this authentication of your faith taking place. You are bearing the marks of those who know that their eyes are fixed on an eternity and they're not living in the temporal realm and they're not being consumed by a temporal realm. See, when we are persecuted then we should rejoice. Rather than building bigger empires, amassing bigger fortunes, or chasing the temporal pleasures in life, disciples of Jesus have their hearts and their minds and their souls and their spirits firmly fixated on a much better future than what they experience today. Now let me go back just for a moment and then we'll wrap it up. A little bit earlier I talked to you about the churches in Revelation. And we had a series when we went through those uh, seven churches and we talked about sort of the extreme persecution they had. When Jesus wrote to them, he wrote these words. It's on the screen, chapter 2, verse 10. He said this, Don't worry about what you will suffer. The devil will throw some of you into jail, and you'll be tested and made to suffer. But if you are faithful until you die, I will reward you with a glorious life. If you are faithful until you die. Now, I'm going to leave this up just for a real quick moment. We often read our Bible in a very disjointed manner. Uh, we'll read sections or passages and we'll disconnect context from each other. But I want to tie some strings together that might help you a little bit. We know that Jesus appeared to John when John was the Isle of Patmos and he gave him the words to pen to speak to the churches in you know Asia Minor, Macedonia. So John was like their pastor and John, of course, was one of the disciples. Now start connecting a few th- uh, thoughts here. If John was still alive when Jesus appeared to give him those words, there is a very high, high probability that some of those that were in attendance on the day that Jesus was in northern Galilee teaching the Beatitudes on that beautiful, serene mountain hillside, there's a high probability that those that heard Jesus were in fact in this church when Jesus repeats the same words one more time that if john were still living could it be that maybe one or two or three or maybe more that heard jesus teach the beatitudes were in the church in smyrna and all of a sudden jesus says one more time don't worry about what you will suffer the devil will throw some of you into jail and you'll be tested and made to suffer but if you're faithful until you die I will reward you with a glorious life. And if in that moment there was not an immediate connection, back to Matthew chapter 5 where they were on the side of a hill in Galilee and Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What an incredible blessing we are given. It actually is juxtaposed against the season we're celebrating, isn't it? I even thought about the contrast of the message and sort of the beginning of the... The service today. But somehow they're almost appropriately connected together because we can get lost in the celebrations and the peripheral and the temporal seasonal activities of our faith and forget that the rudimentary part of our faith is the call to remain true in the face of persecution. And I think persecution is even a little bit higher than when we say Merry Christmas and somebody says Happy Holidays. I'm not quite sure that's the level of persecution Jesus was getting to. But you do know what I mean. For you are blessed when you are persecuted. But you are only persecuted when you are truly living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus calls us to. And that's really the essence of what it means. And in those moments, Jesus said, rejoice. It means leap for joy. Express out of your heart the the pure um, enjoyment of following Christ to the depth of this level acts chapter 5 verse 41 it says this the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name first Peter 1 6 it says in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you have may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials and then second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17 it says for our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all you see the Bible over and over, repeats this. We are foreigners, strangers, aliens, sojourners, temporary residents. Sometimes we allow the temporal to mask the eternal. And sometimes we lose sight of the fact that we live in light of an eternity, not in light of today. And when you live in light of eternity, it will bring you face to face with some challenging days. But Jesus said, in light of all of that, rejoice because it is proven that you are, in fact, my disciples. Not a bad beatitude to embrace today and not a bad ideal for us to live to. Amen? Well, let's pray together. So, Father, this morning, as we look at the depth of the teaching that Jesus brought on the Sermon on the Mount, it really is, in some ways, quite appropriate that as we're about to see people spend billions of dollars on temporal forms of happiness that we would somehow temper the level of our engagement in something that is so fleeting, but rather that we would fix our eyes back again on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, that we would realize that to live as citizens of your kingdom, it may call us into a season of persecution, maybe not life and death and torture and imprisonment, but certainly if we live according to your word, There may be those that would speak ill. There may be envy. There may be jealousy. Or we may be rejected. But in that, we will find the way to rejoice because our heart's desire is to truly live as your disciples the way you call us to. And so we pray that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.